So we're in a series titled Elemental. This is part five of the series, and we conclude it next week in part six. But elemental means uh, uh, something that is foundational, something that is primary, something that is basic, something that is from the beginning, right? It says it in the word, elemental, something that is an element that is from the beginning. And we've talked about four things up to this point. The first week of the series, we talked about the importance of reading the Bible. Yes, at church, we spoke to you about the importance of you reading the Bible every single day. As a Christian, you should read the Word of God. Why? The Word of God is how God speaks to you. The Word of God is a mirror to you where you see where things in your life need to be changed. Okay, we can't just cut out verses that we don't like. We need to apply our life to what the Scripture says. The second week, we spoke about prayer. The importance of prayer, of constantly praying. The Bible says pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean that you're constantly asking God for stuff. It's talking to God. I love what Smith Wigglesworth used to say. I rarely spend more than an hour without praying, but I never go more than a half hour without praying. I'm sorry. I never spend more than an hour in prayer. I rarely spend more than an hour in prayer, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. Got my tongue tied a little bit there. Apologize. Sorry. Then we talked about the third week, the importance of baptism. Now, baptism is something that as a believer, when you have the understanding of a relationship with Christ, you choose to go get water baptized. We talked about the fact that baptism is the covenant seal of the new covenant. In the Old Testament, the covenant sign, the covenant seal was circumcision. We see it established through Abraham, right? And every boy had to be circumcised. And it talks in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews that for the believer in the new covenant, water baptism is the spiritual circumcision where Jesus cuts off from you the old man so that you may be able to walk in cleanliness, right standing with God and to be more sensitive to his voice and what he's saying. So if you have never been water baptized, and again, as a baby, you got a little chunk of water put on your head, thankful to your parents to dedicating you to God, but that's not your baptism. Baptism is full water immersion, right? It is completely being put under water, the old man staying behind, the new man coming forth. So if you've never been baptized, you need to do it. You need to get baptized. If you got baptized without the full understanding of what baptism was, next time we got a baptism, sign up and get baptized. If you don't know what I'm talking about because you didn't hear the preaching, we've got them online and we might have copies over there and you can take the CDs, they're absolutely free. But you got to get baptized. It's elemental. I would argue if you cannot make the decision for Christ to get wet, you might actually not be saved. The guy on the cross couldn't get off the cross, but what's holding you back? It's essential. And last week we talked about worship. Man, it got really quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Last week we talked about worship. The fact that worship is more than singing soft songs unto God. Worship is a lifestyle unto God. Everything that you do is should be bringing worship onto God. That means the way you talk to people, the way you deal with people, the way you interact, all those things are expressions of worship onto God. 
Yes, we praise and we sing hymns and songs. We saw how Paul and Silas, they sang songs to God while they were in the middle of the prison and God showed up and set them free. But that's the only occurrence that we see in scripture that they were set free from prison because they were worshiping. The other times, he dealt with the punishments. But he continued to give the example of living a life. And that's why he would tell the people, follow me, imitate me as I follow Christ or imitate Christ. And today we're going to talk about another part that is elemental to every single believer, and it's evangelism. Evangelism. So what is evangelism? What's evangelism? And I have a definition for you there. It's the spreading of the gospel by public preaching or personal witness. The spreading of the gospel by public preaching or personal witness. Now, we know that the office of the evangelist is one of the five-fold ministry. The Bible says he gave to some apostles, he gave to some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Those are the five-fold ministry gifts. And so the evangelist, for example, someone like Billy Graham, who passed away a few years ago, but a world-famous evangelism, filling up uh, uh, with thousands and thousands of people, speaking to them, leading them to Christ. Uh, Reinhard Bunke, uh, 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 Daniel Kalenda, just some that are coming to mind. that are evangelists, and that's what they do. That is their ministerial office, to speak to the masses and get them to Christ. However, every single one, one of us is called to walk as an evangelist. Look what the Bible says in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is Paul writing to Timothy. But remember that the Bible is being written to you, right? It is God's notes or, or, or love language to you. He's speaking to you through the scripture. So 2 Timothy chapter number 4, starting in verse 1, this is what it says. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure or withstand sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I firmly believe we're living in that time. What does itching ears mean? It means you just want to, you, you want to hear only what you want to hear. Right. Has somebody ever asked you a question, but you know the answer they want to hear? Like, for example, your spouse puts on a dress and it's like, hey, does this make me look fat? Right? We, we, we do that. We ask questions that we just want to hear what's going to make us feel good. You don't want the truth. And, and, and that's what we have. And we have a ton of churches that speak messages that are not balanced and they don't confront and they don't speak what the scripture says. Because if I preach on that, some people might leave the church. Well, I'm sorry. I'd rather you leave the church than you be sitting in my congregation and go to hell. And so Paul says to him, preach the word. 
I remember, and I've said this story before, I remember someone that my wife and I used to work with many, many years ago when we, we worked at the same school. And this person, we would invite them to church, and there was a person who was not living a life that was, they were living something that was against the heart of God in their lifestyle, the way they lived or whatever. And they would tell me, no, I don't go to church. I just listen to so-and-so online or stuff like that, because whenever I go to church, I leave feeling bad. I was like, well, yeah, they're just telling you what the Bible says. So I only want to fe- hear what, what feels good. I don't want to hear that, you know, I got to change my life. I don't want to hear that, that, that this is sin or this, this pleases God or this, that, or the other. Listen, it's not about what you want to hear. It's about looking at the scripture and aligning your life to what God said. See, this is unchanging. The scripture is unchanging. It's not me trying to change the scripture to what I want. It's me adjusting my life to what God said. And then he says this in verse number five. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist. In other words, do the great commission. Church, evangelism is not part of the Great Commission. Evangelism is the Great Commission. But I would venture to, if I had to put a number in it, say that probably about 90% of Christians don't do it. Don't evangelize. But look at what Jesus said in Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. The Great Commission is so important. It says it in multiple Gospels, but we're going to read it out of Mark chapter 16. And this is Jesus speaking, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What's the gospel? The good news. We're sinners. Jesus was not. He died to pay the price for our sin. Now I can communicate to God because Jesus can come and live in my heart. Good news. Right? He who believes and is, what does that next word say? Oh, only one person read it. Thank you. We'll do it again. He who believes and is? Again, it's elemental. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs... See, man, oh, wow, this is a good one. I haven't said it like this. This is new. Watch. He who believes and is baptized, two things, will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. What does that tell me? You can actually go get baptized, but if you don't believe, you don't go to heaven. Which is why some people need to get rebaptized because when you got baptized, you weren't truly a believer yet, so it didn't count. And now that you understand and truly believe, you go get baptized as the outward expression of your inward relationship with Jesus. All right, let's get back to what today's topic. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. What does it mean to go into all the world? Look, I don't want anybody here to go home today, sell all their belongings, go on aa.com and buy a one-way ticket to Africa, okay? That's not what I'm telling you unless God tells you to do that. What does it mean to go into all the world? It means to go into your pocket, your section, right? We are humans, right? Everybody in here human? 
We are creatures of habit, aren't we? Like we go to the same Publix, the same Winn-Dixie, or the same Costco, or the, we go to the same dry cleaner. Right now, I'm in a dilemma. The dry cleaner I've been going to for 20 years just closed down because the guy retired. I got to find a new dry cleaner. I got a bunch of shirts at home in a bag that I got to find a new dry cleaner for, okay? That dry cleaner wasn't even close to my house anymore, but it was the same one. I went to Archie all the time. Now I got to find a new guy. You asked my wife, I went, that day when I got there to pick up my clothes and he had nothing left, I called her, I was like, I don't know where to take my clothes anymore. We're creatures of habit. I'm going to take it a step further. I could not be here on a Sunday and Pastor Fernie or somebody can tell me, oh, you know, this person, this person, this person were at church and I can tell him where they sat. Some of you are still trying to figure out what I said. Y'all sit in the same place. And get here and let somebody else have taken your seat. <laughs> got a new, few new few people here today. Next week, somebody's going to get here early to get their seat back. Like, you're like, I can't believe the nerve of that person sitting where I sit every Sunday. <laughs> Do you not understand? Like, I tie. That is my seat. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I'm not. I remember, you know, several months ago, somebody's like, Pastor, these people keep sitting in my seat. And I said, get to church on time. <laughs> now they get to church early every week to get their seat. I'm kidding, but I'm not. So what does it mean to go into all the world? It means that wherever you go to, that is your circle, your pocket, you are the one that is called to evangelize there, to talk about Jesus there. Now, our testimony preaches or takes away from God. I used to teach a castle on evangelism in the local Bible Institute, and that was my, I would always say this, everything you do either preaches the gospel or detracts from it. So you may be preaching with your testimony, but hey, that's not enough. You got to open your mouth and tell people, talk to people, go into your world. Do you understand there's people that you can reach that I never will because I'm not a part of that world? I don't go to that Publix. I don't deal with that clerk. I don't deal with that attendant like you do. I don't. So you're the one that's called to reach them. You're the one. So Jesus said, go into all the world. But you know what happens? I would, I would say, say the, state this claim that the majority of Christians are evangelizing like Jonah. Just go to Jonah for a second. It's an Old Testament prophet, Jonah. We're going to start reading in Jonah chapter 1. Try right before the book of Micah, because if you know the song, it's Jonah, Micah, Habakkuk, da, da, da. okay. I learned it when my daughters were learning the books of the Bible. Jonah chapter one, starting in verse number one, it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. What did Jesus say? Go. What was Jonah told? Arise and go. Verse number three, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish 
From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He wanted to run away from the presence of God. Okay? I'm not going to read the whole story. You guys can read this because, I mean, it's very, it's very there. But he gets on the boat and he goes to sleep on the undercarriage, on the underbelly, the, whatever, the cabin, whatever it's called, on the boat. And the people take off and they begin to sail towards Tarshish and a great storm comes. And these guys think they're going to die. They start throwing luggage off the boat. They start throwing things off the boat. Let's take weight off. And they start all praying to their gods. Everybody pray to your gods. Why is this happening? And then they realize in all the ruckus and all the commotion, there's a guy in the boat sleeping. So they go wake him up. It's like, yo, like, what's the deal? And, and Jonah's like, it's me. Like legitimately, right? Like, you know, like in the NBA, when somebody commits a nasty foul and then like they blow the whistle and the guy's like, yeah, 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 I got you. It was me. Jonah's like, yep, it's me. I got it. They cast lots and they're like, it's him. He's like, yep, yep, it's me. They're like, what do we do? And he says, I'm not jumping off this boat willingly. You got to throw me off. It doesn't say it like that, but it says that he said, if you throw me off the boat, the problem will go away. That tells me he wasn't jumping. You don't got to read your Bible. You got to read the Bible. He was like, these people got to chuck me from this boat. Because if I jump off, God's going to find a way that I'm going to swim across. Something's going to happen. You're going to have to throw me off. And they're like, no, no, we can't do that. I mean, if this God is doing this because you're running away, if we throw you, like he's going to come after us even worse. So they start, the Bible says they started to row even harder. And finally they got tired and said, God, have mercy on us. And they got Jonah and they chucked him in the water. And then the first ever Uber showed up. It was a, a giant fish, okay? So this giant fish comes up that God called. The Bible says that God told this giant fish to come pick him up. A little segue here. I, I remember when my, my daughter, at the time, I think she was four, she was telling me about the story of Jonah. They had heard it in Sunday school class. She's like, Dad, so this big whale came and swallowed him. And I said, no, Mama, the, the Bible doesn't say it was a whale. It says it was a big fish. She goes, okay, so this big fish came and swallowed him. But it was probably a whale. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so this, this big giant fish comes up and begins to swim. And the storm goes away. And while he's in the belly of the fish, he begins to talk to God. And he gets right with God. And he says, God, I'm sorry. And then it gets to a place where, where, where God told the fish, okay, it says it at the end of chapter 2. It says, and the God told the fish to stop. And to vomit Jonah, spit him out at his destination. So he'd go pick up another fare, okay? <laughs> it's okay to laugh in church, okay? Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to the mess, preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. So this is what happened. Jonah, Jonah begins to preach and tell people destruction's coming. 40 days destruction is coming. And you know what the people did? They repented. The guy in charge of Nineveh he declared a fast for everyone, including the cats and dogs. 
It says it. It doesn't say cats and dogs, but it says this, okay? He says, let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. The guy declared a fast for everyone in Nineveh and their animals, their cats, their dogs, their spiders, their sugar gliders, everything. Nothing to eat. Nothing to drink. For those of you who don't know, sugar gliders are little squirrels that like fly and people carry them on them. Anyways. Okay. And you know what happened when they repented? God relented and forgave them. And then you know what Jonah said? That's what I told you before I got on the boat. That if I came here, you were going to forgive them. Guys, that's what it says. He got angry at God. He said, I knew you were merciful. But what does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the good people. For God so loved the people who didn't wrong you. For God so loved just your family. No, no, no. For God so loved the world, including you. If you hadn't realized it, you're a human and a sinner too. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. As a matter of fact, Jonah is the first time that we see God sending somebody to preach to the Gentiles. Because the Assyrians were the ones that were, the Ninevites were from Assyria. And Jonah, so Jonah was actually a nationalist. And what does that mean? He was someone who stood for Israel. So he had seen the oppression of the Assyrians upon Israel. So his view was, if I tell these people and they repent and God doesn't destroy them, they're going to be okay now. But what if one day they turn their back on God again and oppress us again? Therefore, I'm not going to tell them anything. I'm going to get on a boat and try to flee from God. And I posed to you this question. I know it's going to hurt, but, but who's your Nineveh that God's told you to go to and you've chosen not to? Now, what that person did to me, they, they don't have God's forgiveness. Oh, yes, they do. If they repent, they do. And because God has a sense of humor, he might make you neighbors with him in eternity. Who's your Nineveh? Who are you supposed to talk to because it's your world and you've chosen to run the other way because of what they might say, because of what they might do, because of how they might react. What, what did he tell Timothy? Hey, endure the affliction, but fulfill the role of the evangelist. Yeah, your coworker might mock you. I'd rather them mock me than get to heaven one day and God say, yo, why didn't you tell that person? I remember when I youth pastored, I had a young girl that entered a really nasty depression. And when we finally spoke with them and trying to figure it out what happened, she remembered a student that she was in high school with that she always felt the urge to talk to him about Jesus and she never did and the kid then died in an accident. So what haunted her was what if I had told this kid about Jesus? So 
Tomorrow's not promised. And our job is to tell people who Jesus is, what Jesus did. Who's your Nineveh? There's a really famous illusionist, magician, whatever you want to call him, Pendulette. Everybody knows, almost everybody knows who Pendulette is, okay? The Penn and Teller show, whatever. The guy with the big, long, black hair, tall, big guy. He is a very well-known person and very self-proclaimed atheist. As a matter of fact, he says that the easiest way for somebody to become an atheist is to get the Bible and read it from cover to cover. He doesn't know that they're going to interact with Jesus when they read it from cover to cover. But he says that after a show, this happened in 2008, after one of his shows, this businessman came up to him, very well-dressed man, said to him, hey, Mr. Gillette, may I speak to you a moment? I really enjoyed your show. It was awesome. I know you say you're an atheist, but I'm a Christian, and I want to give you this Bible. So he gets the Bible. He says, thank you. By the way, he still, to this day, says he's an atheist. But he gets the Bible, and he came out, and he did this video. You can check it out. It's on YouTube. He's all disheveled. It's after a show. He's just wearing like a T-shirt. His hair's all over the place. He looks drowsy. I mean, and he says this. I have no respect for Christians who do not proselytize. Proselytize is the fancy word of saying evangelize. He says, I have no respect for them. He says, if you saw someone that was about to get hit by a bus... You would do whatever you can to push them out of the way. So if you believe that there is a heaven and a hell, how much do you have to hate someone? Those are his words. How much do you have to hate someone to not tell them? Again, this atheist, because I'm praying that he comes to Christ, like Kanye and all the rest of them, come to Christ and use their platform to reach the lost. Kanye, in one interview, already reached more people for Christ than I have in 20 years of ministry. So if you were being judgmental, oh, we got to see if it's real or not, go home and repent. Pray for the man and pray for every other unsaved person to come to Christ and use their platform to tell people about Jesus. So his words were that. How much do you have to hate someone to know and not tell them? And again, we're at a point where your testimony is not enough. It's your testimonies plus what you say. You know, it, 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 it just ask you, you don't need to answer, okay? But just ask yourself, when's the last time I told somebody about Jesus? When's the last time I invited somebody to church? When's the last time I prayed for somebody when they said they were going through something? When's the last time I did this? When's the last time? Pastors are guilty of that. I know pastors that haven't led people to Christ outside of a church in years. Yeah, this is my quote-unquote platform. But I also go buy groceries at Costco. So guess what? When I walk up, I find out. I got, I got one guy, he's a huge 49ers fan. Every time I see him, hey, man, how your Niners are doing? Good, man. God bless you. I got Maria. Maria works. She, she's one of the checker-outers or whatever. Every time I go by, Maria, ¿cómo estás? Señora Maria, ¿cómo estás hoy? Dios te bendiga. You know, every single time. It's my platform because I go there all the time. 
A bunch of them even call me pastor. Because I go to buy the stuff with it, it's like, and they're like, hey, they, got, they have my tax exempt form. It's like, no, no, today's personal. Today I'm buying stuff for the house. There's no tax exempt today. Okay, pastor, all right. It's my platform. I mean, I, I, I can tell you where everything is at Costco. I can get a job there, okay? <laughs> so when's the last time? Do you know evangelism is throughout the entire scripture talks about it? Watch, I'm going to tell you something that God wrecked me with this morning, okay? Go to Ezekiel chapter 47. If you already did your Bible reading for today, God, I'm going to tell you how God showed this. Ezekiel chapter 47, that's in the Old Testament, right after uh, Lamentations. Ezekiel's been getting visions from God on the temple and all these different things. And in chapter 47, I'm going to read verses 1 through 12, then we're going to break it down. Watch. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east, the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000. He brought me through the water, and it came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me to and returned me to the bank of the river. When I returned there along the back of the river were, were very many trees on one side and on the other. Then he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region down into the valley and into the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living creature, every living thing that moves, whether the rivers go, wherever the rivers go, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand in from the Engadi to Engalium and they will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be on the same kind of fish as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. Its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will not be given over to salt. Uh, they, they will be given over to salt. Along the bank of the river, on the side of that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither. Their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Watch. This is what I got from God this morning as I read this, and I've read this passage of scripture, I've preached on it, all these different things. And this is what I saw. The waters were flowing from where? They were flowing from the sanctuary. Now let's break this down. This is a church, but this is not the church. We are the church. See, we're supposed to be producing water and as I see it, it says, you know, at first it was ankle deep, and then was, it was knee deep, and then it was waist deep, and then I had to swim. And then it got to the point where it healed the Dead Sea. And there was trees and bringing fruit and fish of all kinds, fish of all species. The Dead Sea is so buoyant because of all the salt, there's no fish in it. 
But it says that when the rivers get to it, it'll bring healing. Church, watch this. If we all did our part to evangelize, we would be the rivers that are flowing into the Dead Sea to produce the fruit, to bring the fish, to bring the healing, because salvation brings healing. Salvation brings eternity. And it's us who need to go out to produce the water. It's us. But we've been at a time where the water's only been ankle deep because it's only five or seven, seven people doing it. But we got to come to the understanding of something. We are all called to pastor one. We're all called to reach one. We're all called to get to that one that is part of our world. Someone that perhaps I can never reach, but you can because of your life experience. Someone that perhaps I may never have the opportunity to talk to, but you did because you were sitting next to them on the bus or the airplane or the train or whatever. It is elemental, foundational, that as believers, we tell people about Jesus. We tell them. I'll take it a step further. Jesus knew that in 2019, we were going to have Facebook and Instagram. And that MySpace would have been dead. Anybody here ever had a MySpace many years ago? Anyways, watch, watch. Do you know that through that iPad over there that's streaming our service, we have people that watch our service in India? We've had people reach out to us from India, from Germany, from Israel, that have watched services. You don't understand the reach that your social media account may have. But when's the last time that you shared there, hey, God loves you? Look at this verse that I received today. Look at what God is doing. Look, it's okay to post up. If, if, you, if you follow me on Instagram I put, and Facebook, I put a, a, a video of my daughter yesterday. Because my daughter's name is Samantha. And, and Olaf in this new Frozen has a part of the song that he's just, all, everything's quiet, and he says, Samantha? I don't know why he says Samantha, but he does. So I played the song for her, and she hears, she, she hears Samantha, and she goes, ah. <laughs> okay? Not because she's my daughter. It's the most stinking video on the face of the earth right now. It's going to go viral, maybe. I don't know. But it's adorable, okay? I posted it on my social media. That's all right. It's cool. But guess what, man? I go through stuff. I have bad days. I have hard days. I have people that sometimes, I, if I could, I would pick them up and chuck them. Like they did no, Jonah. But I don't put that on my Facebook and Instagram. That's private. I get home and I tell my wife, I failed today because I want to get this person. Just knock them upside the head. His ministry's hard. Some of y'all think that pre pastoring just means preaching. No, no, no. There's a lot of other stuff that go along with it. So I have rough days. Moments that, like, did I miss the boat or you really want me to still do this? Like, you know, what, what's up? Can, I can be honest with you guys, right? But I don't go publicize that. No, I go talk to my confidant, to my wife who's going to pray for me. 
I call my pastor and say, I'm having a sucky day. Pray for me. I had a really rough one a few weeks ago, and I was struggling with some stuff. Was there something that happened, and, and my wife said, hey, you're, you're not taking this well. You need to deal with it. I'm like, I'm going to deal with it. She's like, but how? I was like, I'm calling Hunter. Hunter and I have a call at 9 a.m. Hunter's a pastor friend of mine, good friend of mine who lives in Georgia, and we call each other, and we pray for each other when something happens or whatever. And I told her, I said, I have a call with Hunter at 9 a.m., and guess what? I spoke on the phone with Hunter from 9 to 11 and he prayed for me. He spoke into my life. And after that, you can ask my wife, I was much better because I dealt with it. But the power that we have through the social media is not what you use to tell everybody about what's going on. Learn from Joseph. If he had just kept his mouth shut, God would have found another way to deliver them. Still would have promoted him. But he probably wouldn't have been in the pit. He wouldn't have been sold. He wouldn't have been in jail. He wouldn't have been accused of rape if he had just kept his mouth shut when God showed him the vision. But we have so much access, but then we don't use it for what God says to do, which is evangelize. Tell people. In your world, in your circle, in your place, we are all called to evangelize. All, A-L-L, and not the detergent. We are all called to evangelize. I have a young man that I'm friends with that works in a very demanding profession. And I remember Last year at some point, more or less around this time, called me and says, man, I, I just had an opportunity. I had to go and meet with this head guy. And I could see around his office that he had some things about God and different things, but it was a really rough day and stuff. And, and, and I did. I, I, I took the moment. I had the boldness. I asked him, can I pray with you? And he sat there and prayed with that guy. And he called me and says, I don't know if he's going to report me to my bosses, right? <laughs> you know, he might. But I did what I had to do. I pray that you have that boldness. That you take every opportunity to talk to people about Jesus. To pray with people. To tell them, hey, you can do this. To tell them, with Jesus, you have more and you're an overcomer. Every opportunity, don't miss a moment to pray with someone. Pastor, that's easy for you because you're a pastor. No. Jesus doesn't have favorites. God doesn't have favorites. He hears you just like he hears me. You just need to set aside the time to do it. And you see something, you pray, you act, you go. So ask yourself, you know what, God, I, I, what's that Nineveh for me? Who is it that I need to reach that I'm the one that you're calling to? Father, who is it that I got to let go and I got to go and reach? Where do I need to go? That's the title of today's preaching. It's go. Because you need to go into your world, your area of influence, and tell people who God is, what Jesus did.
time to go. It's time to go.